Hello, and welcome to the latest Construction Insider Podcast, bringing construction firms the strategies and tactics they need to thrive in the new normal. Today, we're talking about the use of a mechanics lien by construction companies. We're here with Brent Chambers, Executive Vice President of Capital Plus Construction Services, a factoring firm based in Knoxville, Tennessee, that specializes in helping construction companies of all kinds. He has 37 years of experience in engineering, construction operations, and finance. Brent, thanks for being here. Well, good morning, Lisa. It's uh, good to be back with you. So Brent, over the last few podcasts that we've done together, you've made a point of just how difficult it can be for construction firms to be paid on a timely basis or even to be paid at all. I've heard you mention the use of mechanics lien to ensure payment. Can you tell us what this is? Well, Lisa, first, let me say that nothing is going to get you paid faster than making sure you're, one, working for reputable firms with a strong history of paying their subs and suppliers, and and also that you have a solid contract that's going to protect your rights and, and give you remedies you know, for issues that occur at a work site. All that said, no matter how much prep work you do on the front end and how solid your contract is, there, there's going to be a time, there are going to be situations where the project is just going to go bad and it's going to put you in a very unfortunate position of having to fight for your payment. As you know, here at Capital Plus, we provide working capital to the construction industry by purchasing our clients' invoices. Now, when we purchase an invoice, we step into our client's shoes with regards to getting paid by their customer. They become our debtor. So we know from experience, you know, that our number one, our number one tool in backstop to protect and ensure that we we can receive payment is the mechanics lien itself. And it's the biggest tool for all construction contractors, whether it's a general contractor or a subcontractor. So, Brett, let me just interrupt a second here. Why is it called mechanics lien and how did it come about? It's funny, the, the mechanics lien was actually conceived by Thomas Jefferson back in the, the colonial days. And now back then, a mechanic or to be a called a mechanic simply meant you were somebody that worked with your hands. Therefore, the name mechanic was given to the construction workers. Now, back in the, in the late 1700s, when they were trying to construct a new capital in Washington, D.C., the founding fathers needed to attract builders and the builders money to construct the new city. Now, at that time, the only way a builder could actually force payment was to file a legal suit, a lawsuit due to a breach of contract. And and truthfully, not many builders wanted to take that risk. So Thomas Jefferson was aware of lien-like privileges that had existed in other countries, which gave builders the right to lien property if they didn't get their payment. Now, this was a much simpler way of ha- than, than having to file a suit. And since those times, all 50 states have adopted their own version of what is known as the mechanics lien. Hmm, That's really interesting. So how does the lien work? And in the last few podcasts, we keep talking hypothetically. I'll do the same thing here. So let's say you own a construction firm and you offer steel and wood framing. You're a framing company and you are contracted by a general contractor to frame up a new commercial office space. And let's say you agreed to pay when paid terms, something that we talked about several podcasts you know, back. Now, let's say you're doing your job in accordance or you do your job in accordance with the scope and the GC doesn't pay you. You ask him why. And he tells you, I can't pay you because I haven't been paid by the owner. So despite the pay when paid terms that you have signed up for, 
if you've actually filed all of your notices required by the state laws, then you can actually file a mechanics lien. Now, the lien itself actually appears on the public records, you know, including the title, especially the title of the property. Now, this lien creates a black cloud on the property title, and it is going to get the attention of the owner. Now, the owner is not going to be able to sell or market his property without a buyer likely demanding that the owner pay off this lien. So, Brent, in this example, you said I could file a lien if I had filed all the required notices. What notices are you speaking of? Well, Lisa, let me say the mechanics lien laws are, they're not federal laws. All mechanics lien laws are state statutes, and therefore, they vary from state to state. Some state lien laws are are extremely straightforward, but some are quite convoluted and hard to understand. Now, that being said, there are generally four steps in the mechanics lien process. The first step is you send a preliminary notice. Now, this isn't required in all states, but this notice, when required, simply says to the GC and the owner, I am out here, I'm working on your project, and I have lien rights in case you don't pay me. Now, the second step, and really one of the more important steps, is a notice of intent, and that's second. The notice of intent serves as a warning that the payment is late and a lien will be filed if, if you don't pay me. Now, this particular notice, as I said, is important because liens are viewed as a taking something from an owner. And in this case, you're taking away a clear title from the owner. So prior to the lien being placed on the title, the owner needs to be given the chance to settle up and to pay you before you file. Now, the third step in all, all states is the filing of the lien. And this is typically done at a state or county office. In most states, in most counties, it's the county clerk's office where the deeds are, are held. Contractors need to take note. The listeners need to take note. Now, in many states, if you're not licensed and it's required, you can't file a lien. So if you're doing electrical work and you're required to have an electrician's license, and you don't have that, you've got to file a lien, you can't. And even worse, in some states, if you're required to be licensed and you're not, you can't even file a suit. So make sure that you understand if you're required to be licensed. Now, the fourth step is simply the enforcement of the lien itself. Should the filing, you know, the notice not induce payment. Now, are you able to place a mechanics lien on anything associated with construction? Well, the answer to that is no. Not everything is lienable, and what is lienable is going to vary greatly from state to state. But I want to be very clear out here. First and foremost, liens cannot be, a mechanics lien cannot be placed against a public property. It's, it's just not allowed, and that's in any state. Now, in accordance with what's known as the Miller Act, most government projects require what is called a performance and payment bond. And this is a bond that the contractors and sometimes the subcontractors have to post. If you are a subcontractor where it is a federal project and it's bonded and you're not being paid, then you can make a claim against the bond. There's a lot more to this. I know we're talking about mechanics liens and and I might suggest that we talk about this on another podcast. But going back to the, the private property side, generally speaking, all labor, all materials used for the permanent improvement of a real property is considered lienable. Real property, Lisa, is basically the land and the buildings at the construction site. 
Now, to say this even more simply, to be lienable, your work must produce a permanent improvement to the land or the buildings. And this improvement can be renovation to an old building or a new construction. Now, a permanent improvement is defined as anything that is incorporated into the structure of a building or improvement to the land that occurs during construction. Now, a permanent improvement also includes supplies and materials that actually get consumed or better put, get used up in the process of the construction. So probably the best thing to do is, is to give you an example here and, and try to put all this into context. In the example that you and I discussed earlier, you own a framing company. Your company is awarded a, a job that has a scope, which includes the design, fabrication, transportation, and installation of these tailor-made modular wall systems that your company's making back at your fabrication shop. Now, in addition to that, you know, as part of your scope, you have to provide your safety equipment for your people and the project, including safety netting, traffic cones, personal protective equipment, PPE, and the PPE is typically hard hats, safety glasses, gloves, steel-toed boots, and, and quite often a, a high-vis vest. Okay, now let's assume you properly execute your work and no fault of yours, the project ends up going south and it's shut down and ultimately you're not paid. So what can you lean and what can your lien include? First, we talk when you talk about the engineering design. Uh, design and submittal of engineering drawings is typically, and I say typically, not lienable because again, all states vary. But it's not lienable in some states because it doesn't directly produce a permanent improvement to the real property. That is, your engineers are not out there running a backhoe, they're not swinging a hammer, and they're not providing supplies. Now, I will say in some states, if a designer is working directly for an owner, then the design and the engineering can be lienable. Again, I go back to that, uh, understand it's every state has, has different laws that uh, that have different requirements or different rights uh, in terms of the mechanics link. All right, let me put you on the spot and see if this is what I'm telling you is making sense. So based on what I've, I've described here, do you think your safety equipment is lean? I don't believe so. Well, you're right. The safety equipment is not leanable and that's because it is reusable. So your safety netting, traffic cones, PPE, they're not being used up in the process. So ultimately, it is not lenable. Now, let's take the materials and the labor and the equipment that's required to fabricate, transport, and install the modular wall systems that you've actually produced. Is this lenable? Uh, yes. Okay. You're right. <laughs> it's it's, it's lenable simply because, you know, your labor, your materials are directly producing a permanent improvement. They're creating these modular walls that will be installed on the property. Right. So that is lenable. Now, I'm going to I'm going to add a twist here for you. Let's say you fabricated the walls back in your project or back in your fabrication warehouse. The project goes south. And the walls were never delivered to the job site. Now, the walls would not be leanable in this case simply because they were never delivered to the job site. Now, in that same circumstance, let's say you fabricated the walls, you delivered them to the site itself, 
And then the job shut down. Are they leanable? So the answer is yes. The key is the walls were made for a specific purpose and, and they're not reusable. And second, they were actually delivered to the project site. So understand if you're fabricating materials and or you're creating something and carrying it to a job site, if it doesn't get to that job site, it is not leanable. Now, I want to reiterate to, to the listeners that lean rights, again, they vary largely from state to state, and they're evolving because right now, as we talk, there are court cases that are going on, and legal precedent is being set by actual case, case law. So as a construction professional, you really don't need to be the person trying to figure out what's leanable and what's not. You should have a legal counsel. Or there are consulting services, there are multiple ones that can guide you on a project-by-project, state-by-state basis, and let you know and keep you abreast of the lien rights. Now, Capital Plus, we understand lien rights, and we think we're pretty darn good at it. However, given the variation from state to state, the the ever-evolving nature of the mechanics liens, we have a consulting service that we use, we basically enter every project into the system with the consulting service. They do the tracking, they do the notices, and it's a small price to pay to know that our lien rights are protected. So Brett, say I make all the proper notices and I have lien rights and don't get paid. What is next and how do I file a lien? And even more important, how does this help me get paid? It's a great question, Lisa, and candidly, this is where the road meets the pavement, as they say. First, you can file a lien at any time your customer has not paid you, regardless of the pay when paid terms. Now, let me kind of dive into that. The pay when paid terms, pay if paid terms do not have any bearing on your lien rights. That's a contract between you and your customer. Let's just say your customer can try to, to enforce those rights, but he can't use that pay when paid or pay if paid to extend terms to keep you from being able to file a lien. So they're separate matters altogether. Now, I will tell you that filing liens early often puts pressure on the general contractor and, and will often result in payment if for nothing else, a joint check arrangement. However, Filing a lien is often considered as a nuclear option. That is, take into consideration if you wish to work for the customer again before being too trigger happy. Now, I'm not advocating you fear using the lien process, not advocating that at all. You need to use it. I just encourage the construction companies out there, the audience, to communicate to your GC and the owner that you need to be paid or you'll have to file a lien before your rights expire. You need to make phone calls. You need to send, you know, formal letters, emails, let them know and give them every chance to pay before you actually pull the trigger. Now that I'm speaking of expiration of your rights, each state in their laws will set a specific deadline and time frame by which you must file a lien or your rights, you know, will expire. So these rights don't go on, you know, forever and ever. Many states, and, and I would probably say most states, require you file your lien within 90 days of your last furnishing or services of services or supplies. Last furnishing means the last day I did anything on that project of any kind. 
It's not the invoice date. It's the last day you furnish services or provided supplies. Now, you know, that being said, some states are 45 and some are 60. Again, it goes back to make sure you've, you know the laws or more importantly, you've got a service helping you or, or you're, you're looking and being advised by your legal counsel. Now, when a lien is required to get paid, so that is you have to file the lien just to get paid, know that each state has their own process and format. And I mean format. They, you can go online and find that states have their own form in which you must use. And the state laws will direct who actually receives the lien. Sometimes it's the GC and the owner. Sometimes it's just the owner. And sometimes it's everybody working on that project. So don't play attorney and don't try to navigate this muddy water. Engage your legal counsel or, as I said, and do what we do as a company, get a consulting company that does this and they will actually file the liens for you. Now, Lisa, the lien is an extremely powerful tool. So powerful that once filed, you file the lien, there's a 90% chance that you're going to get paid before any legal action is required to be taken. So think about that. I file that lien and there's 90% chance I get paid. It's pretty remarkable. And this is so powerful because owners don't want their titles encumbered with the lien. I mean, a lot of people are developing projects, developing and building, you know, let's just say a, a housing development, and they're doing that to sell homes. Now, if the property's liened, you know, that title is, again, it's encumbered, and you're not going to go buy a home in a development where, it's, you know, there are liens on, on the property, the liens on your house. Now, if legal action is required and a foreclosure suit has to be filed, there's a 65% chance you'll prevail in court. And it's simply because liens are hard to challenge. And I'll put an exclamation on this exclamation point. Liens are hard to challenge if it's done right. Well, Brent, this is a lot of great information, but we are running out of time. Any last thoughts for our listeners? Well, I said early, don't be too trigger happy, but you know, I, I want to tell you that many of our customers will err on the other side than they tell us they're they're afraid to send the required notices to the owner, to the GC, fearing that, you know, they might get angry and worse, they might, you know, lose the work. The mechanics lien has been around for two and a half centuries and they're in place in all 50 states. So this is not something that the reputable owners and GCs don't know about. They know the process well, and they're not going to be bothered with proper notices. In fact, they're going to question if you're a reputable sub, if you're not filing notices. So rest assured, the GCs filing their notices, I promise you, they're protecting their rights. You need to do the same. But at the end of the day, if they are bothered by this, you're going to finish your job. But truthfully, you ought to question whether you want to continue to work for these folks. Now, here's another way to look at the lien process. The mechanics lien is simply an insurance policy. Every good businessman has general liability. They have workers comp, you know, Bottom line, this is an insurance policy. And like any insurance, you don't want to use it and you don't want to rush to use it. However, it is there for your protection when needed. Last, know the state laws you're working in and file all required notices or your lien rights will not be there when you need them. And lastly, the, you know, let the experts handle this for you You know, to make sure it's done properly and timely. And folks listening out there, the one thing it does is it helps you sleep at night. 
because it is a powerful tool. And, and if somebody's handling this for you, then hopefully you can rest at night. So Lisa, that's it. I want to thank you for having me again here today and, uh, and for you uh, hosting you know, the podcast. Well, thank you, Brent. It's always a pleasure. We appreciate your insights and your time explaining how Mechanics Lean works. So if listeners would like more information, you can always reach Brent through capitalplus.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Construction Insider. We're frequently updating our podcast, so check out the others posted on our site. Visit often because we're always adding new things. Until next time, take care.